It's time to check in on the 2022 NFL draft class. Where are some second second year players that we're excited to see? Some guys that perform well, didn't perform the best, maybe injuries gotten involved, but they still have upside. We'll discuss all of that next on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. You are locked on NFL Draft, your daily podcast covering the NFL Draft. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, family? Welcome back to the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, your daily podcast covering your favorite draft prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your boy, Damian Parson, always on the ones and twos. You can find me on Twitter at DP underscore NFL. I'm a national scout over with the Draft Network and your favorite and local running back guru. And as always, I got my brother, my guy, Mr. LSU, and the champ is here as always, Keith Sanchez. You can find him on Twitter at the Talent Code. Keith, talk to him, baby. What's up, Locked On family? Let's get locked in. This is Keith Sanchez, Senior Draft Analyst with the Draft Network, man. And like DP always says, 2019 national champ. Yes, those LSU fighting bingo tigers, man. But DP, man, listen, this draft, this this show, right? It's about accountability, DP. It's about accountability, man. So we're doing a one-year check-in, right? Post-2023 draft, the 2022 class. They've already played one year of football, right? So we're gonna talk about some guys that you know underperformed our expectations, overperformed, right? Some guys that the case is still open on how we feel about them. So the name of the game is accountability, DP. So let me know. Let's start this thing off, man, with some guys that you feel like they overperform, right? We're going to talk about the guys that you may have not liked that much, and they kind of overperform that the future is looking a little bright for them. I would say a guy that, you know, and I won't even say I didn't like him, but I wasn't as high as everybody else. I still, mm-hmm. and if you remember last year, I graded him as a, as a late first round, and that was Traylon Burks, wide receiver out of Arkansas that went to the Tennessee Titans. You know, if he was with A.J. Brown, I would have loved to pick. They traded A.J. Brown to select him, so I absolutely did not understand what was going on. I was like, <laughs> what? Like, you know what I mean? That's that's a that's a tough spot to put a rookie, man. But, you know, he bat- he, he struggled early on. He wasn't he was kind of dinged up, missed a couple weeks and missed some weeks in games due to an injury. But Keith, when he came back, man, like he showed out, man. He showed the ball skills, that size, that speed in the open field. Route running can still, of course, is, is a work in progress, right? Being able to separate versus press close, tight man-to-man coverage. But guys were, you know, with his with his strength and being able to work through contact, I saw DBs give him cushion, Keith, and you get a big guy like that that can get up to speed a runway that causes some problems for you because now you don't really he does he does a, he does a great job with his vertical stems and opening up either inside or outside releases and things of that nature and handling off coverage man and and zone coverages and I just look at this young man and I was like he outperformed in the back half of the season uh you know for me like I said because it's it's big shoes to fill uh, AJ Brown. Yeah, so I, I I will have to ask you this, DP. Outperformed what, right? In the sense of the fact of, did you think he was a, a and you kind of talk, I guess, hinted towards it, but more of a second round prospect where you a guy that I was expecting, were you expecting for him to turn it on in year two? Like outperformed, like what, what was your status quo, right? Or was this more so you just seeing him operate on film 
and you're like, okay, cool. The skill set translates, and I think this is a good football player. Yeah, I mean, being thrust into that wide receiver one role, um, you know, he he outperformed what I That's thought. A tough role for it's a tough. It's, and then then not only that, like you have you know a, a average QB in Ryan Tannehill. You're in a run heavy offense, right? So like it, it's it, it wasn't like I was so concerned about what it was going to look like for him. You know what I mean? And when teams took away Derek, you know, Derek Henry, could he beat the number one corners and stuff? And he showed he showed that he could do those things. Now, was it consistent? No. And that, you know what I mean? So it's like, but a lot of that is also due to the, the circumstances I just said. Uh, average quarterback and a run-heavy offense. But just for, for what I expected from him as a rookie, he outperformed that. He you know, almost 500 yards receiving. Like I say, he missed a couple weeks. They don't throw the ball a lot. But when they really wanted to feature him and, and get him in, uh, get him going, when they gave him the ball and fed it to him, he looked like a number one. He looked like a guy that could be your number one receiver and someone that you that that you're willing to put the chips on the table. And say, all right, I like what I saw from you, young fella. Now continue to 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 add on that. Continue to develop your game because you have everything physically we need to step into that wide receiver one role for the future. Okay, look, I gotta go, my guy. Right, and, and looking back on it, man, I I have to say, DP, being completely honest, you know, just looking at the 2020 class. And the grades I gave, just being completely honest, man, I think I did a good job. <laughs> Let me stop playing, man. Let me stop playing. But being completely honest, man, one guy that I, I – I, when they selected him, I was not expecting him to play at that level, and I didn't see how they can make it through the entire year. And that was the Dallas Cowboys selecting Tyler Smith in the first round. Um, The potential – and not only that – but then putting him on the left side, this guy that I'm pretty sure played – well, he played both, right, left and right when he was with Tulsa. Um, but he he technically, he just needed to be defined, right? That, that was what Tyler Smith did. And Tyler Smith stepped in for the Dallas Cowboys, and he became what they needed, right, just a, a, a glue guy, somebody to step right in, protect that Prescott or Cooper Rush, whoever the quarterback was, step right in and produce. And so that's what Tyler Smith did, man. So you talk about stock up on a guy after one year of grading him, it's definitely Dallas Cowboys left tackle Tyler Smith. And I will go as far as to say this, that – I would leave him there, right? Like whether it's left tackle or left guard, and then bring in uh, Tyron Smith, and then now you have a solidified left side, which was a first-round pick that I think is something that's going to turn out for the Dallas Cowboys in a positive way. So definitely Tyler Smith was that guy for me, DP, that when he was selected, I was kind of like, okay, we're going to see how this is going to turn out. And then he overperformed, man, in, in credit, and shout-out to Tyler Smith for doing it. No, I, I think a lot of people were so concerned – you know, penalties, he was super raw, super just extremely aggressive, but technically he wasn't refined, Keith. And, um, you know, a young man that, like you said, this, he he balled, he played very well. Uh, you know, of course, yeah, he still dealt with some some of the things, you know, but all in all, he did what he needed to do. And I was, I was, uh, I was impressed by him as a rookie for sure. Yeah, well, DP, look, man, we went first round, right? We're talking about those first round guys who are really just the guys that, overperformed right we came in and we kind of we didn't give y'all y'all credit right we, we kind of undersold y'all man and y'all proved us wrong year one hopefully continue to build on that year two year three throughout the rest of your career but listen now we have to go into those guys dp that underperformed right those like that's the misses right we like man this guy's gonna step right in and dominate right off the jump so we're gonna go into those guys man that underperformed whether it's due to scheme whether it's due to their talent right or just situations overall so coming up next man myself Damian Parsons we're gonna get into the guys from the 2022 class that we feel as though underperformed for the first first year of their rookie year looking for a delicious snack guys but you don't want all the sugars and calories 
then you need to listen to me and try the best tasting protein bar ever that's Built Bar Built Puffs. You got to try it. I promise you it won't disappoint. If you like me and you want to make healthier snack choices, but you don't want to compromise on taste, I got just a thing for you. Built Bars and Built Puffs are healthy and they taste amazing. The reason why is because they're made of 100% real chocolate. That's right, 100% real chocolate. They come in unbelievable flavors and multitude of flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, and cookies and creams, which I've told you many, many times, that is my favorite. So I'm telling you right now, guys, what I do is I go to my local Walmart, um, you know, and grab a four-bar box whenever I go out, or you can go to your local Sam's Club while you still can get the specialty flavors uh, there as well. But as always, you can go to BuiltBar.com, use our promo code LOCKEDON15, and get 15% off your next order. Guys, Keith, those guys that that underperformed. So I, I'm curious to hear where you stand. Who who underperformed for you? Who did you believe in that kind of let you down? Yeah. So when I when I say this, man, <clears throat> he had a solid rookie year, right? Mm-hmm. But this is based off of also the grade I gave him, right? Okay. So I have to go with Baltimore's Ravens safety Kyle Hamilton, and I'm. Right, we, we're being transparent. I'm talking to yeah. our family, right? I gave this guy the highest grade of last year's draft, right? Some of the things he did on film uh, was amazing, right? Like I, I'm sideline to sideline range, playing in the box, tackling from depth. Like you, we like I, he did everything you need to see. And myself, right, having worked at LSU, right, coach did some things, seen a lot of defensive backs. I've seen Jamal Adams, right? I've seen Jalen Mills. I've seen, uh, you know, Eric Reed in, in, in person. You know what I'm saying? So I've seen a decent amount of safeties, Grant Delpit. I thought this guy was special, man. I thought, like, like he got drafted to the Baltimore Ravens, and I'm like, man, they potentially just got them another, I don't even want to say the name, but I'm going to say it. Oh, man. Ed Reed, right? I thought they got him another one, man. So just, so setting, I'm just setting the scene, right, for how high I was on Kyle Hamilton and coming coming in, right? Like through the first part of the season, I don't say he struggled, right? But the 40 time that he ran, I would say this, that it began to show. And they moved him closer to the box and then he started to really play high level football. So if you had to give me one guy, it's based off of expectations, right? And we're talking the expectations was six, seven, eight interceptions a year. Um, I don't know if he's going to get to that point, but I do think this is still a guy that will make Pro Bowls. But like I said, I put all the pressure on him because I gave him such the high accolades and, you know, comparing him to, you know, one of the greatest to ever do it. I thought Kyle Hamilton was that. He may just be, may not be that, but still just a talented football player. No, I'm with, I mean, we both gave him high grades. I, I viewed him highly as well. But like you said, it started with that combine with the 40 yard dash time. And then you saw early in, in the season where, yeah, no, he wasn't a free safety. And we 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 learned that really fast. And the Baltimore Ravens like, yep, we're not playing you back here no more. We're going to play you back closer to the line of scrimmage, big nickel, big dime, you know what I mean, man-to-man against tight ends, dropping off, blitzing, things of that nature. And you saw that value come back for him, Keith. I, I'm going to stick with similar, similar path. Uh, you know, your boy out of LSU, Derek Stingley Jr. And it's not so much him. You know what I mean? Whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. Listen, hit me up. It ain't even just him. It's not him so much because I graded him. At, he was my CB1, and I still think he is and could be CB1 in this in this cornerback class. It was a situation he went into. And think when, when, the, when the reports came out prior to, the, like, the draft, the day of the draft, we were in Vegas. We're all getting text messages and stuff like, yeah, word is 
Derek Stingley Jr. is going to Houston, Texas. And me, I remember this vividly. We were sitting beside each other. We both looked at each other like, what is Houston doing? You Like, Levy Smith runs a Tampa 2. This is a man-to-man corner. Why? Why is this the pick? And we saw, like, early in the season, I, I saw, like, you know, you go back to that Denver Broncos game. He's traveling, following them around. Cortland Sutton, as I think that was a game that um, Jerry Judy got hurt. And Cortland Sutton became, you know, Tim Patrick's hurt and, and KJ Hamler and all that. So Cortland Sutton was the guy, and he followed him around. He covered him well for the most part. You, you, I got, like, hope. I was like, oh, man, Lovey's going to let this kid play more, like, just play his game. Yeah, it didn't stay that way. Um, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It didn't stay that way, Keith, and I was extremely disappointed. So, I, you know, in terms of, like, guys that underperform, yeah, Stingley underperformed because of his situation. If he went to a New England Patriots, if he went to a team that's going to play press head, the New York Giants with Wink Martindale, like you put him in his element. Think about this, Keith. Darrell Revis, when he was with the New York Jets, and I, first of all, I'm not comparing Derek Sandy to Darrell Revis. For no, those who you allow it, I bet, I bet you would. But like, I'm not going to compare him, but like in the situations of, all right, when he was in New York and hit Rex Ryan's like, Man, Revis, be an island. Be you. Play man-to-man. Cool. He went to Tampa, and they played him in zone, and he's like, where's Revis? Like, oh, yeah. Like, he's just just in one spot. He's playing Tampa 2, curl flats. And it's like, this isn't – that ain't Darrell Revis. And then he went to New England, and we saw him come back to stardom as that press man corner, and you hear all the receivers talk about his game. That's the the, the same situation with Derek Stingley. I didn't like him going to a zone-heavy uh, you know, defensive scheme where he couldn't play his game, where he couldn't get in the face of receivers, be physical, be athletic, stay in the hip pocket, and be a, a eraser, man. You can't erase guys when you're not playing your type of football, Keith. So when I say you know, a guy that, that underwhelmed, it's, it wasn't Stingley. Stingley, you still a talent, big okay. dog. Right, it was right, your right. situation. Cool. I, I, I understand. I understand. Now you, you threw me for a loop at the beginning, man. I, we about to have to, you know, we gonna have to talk about it. You know what I'm saying? Just have some conversation, man. Uh, but DP, I'm, I'm looking at it. Oh man, this is tough. This is tough. Do you have another name that you, you possibly want to throw out there of a guy that that kind of under? And because I'm, I would go. Now you know what I'm gonna go is because we about to get our scouting. We about to talk about scouting. Evan Neal, right? Everybody dropped jumped on Evan Neal. I'm gonna drop a video, and this is the issue with Evan Neal because we're talking about a guy that underperformed. Everybody posted about how he got beat, but people have to go back and watch the film. When this guy played right tackle at Alabama, he was more of a second round pick, right? Then when they moved him over to left tackle, his 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 junior year, his last year at Alabama. That's when he played really well. And you talk to guys like I went to the Duke Mannyweather camp, right? And he talked about how playing left tackle and right tackle are two totally different things. So right now, Evan Neal is getting killed, right? Like, you know, by New York media and a lot of people saying, oh, man, he's a bust. But he looks like the same Evan Neal that when he played right tackle at Bama. And I'll even go as far to tell the listeners this, that I had the tr- same situation, right? I watched Evan Neal at right tackle. I gave him a late second round, third round grade because you've seen a lot of temple things that were not there, him missing, shooting his hands and everything else. Then when I dove into the tape for the 2022 film, I said, oh, man, this is a first round offensive tackle because he looked night and day as far as how comfortable he was. So when we're talking about being or underperforming, 
this one is a is a situation based, and now they're in a tough situation because they have Thomas over there, right? Who who had kind of the same issue, and he's showing to be a better left tackle than right tackle. So I'm not sure what they're going to do, but I wanted to highlight that and talk about that. I'm going to drop some film clips too about Evan Neal versus when he played right tackle at Alabama and he played left tackle at Alabama, and then show how it compares the same things with the New York Giants and him playing right tackle. But DP, look, man, we talk about underperform, right? We talk about overperform, right? I want to talk about those surprise, right? Those surprise kind of situations where guys, they surprise you a little bit from the perspective of um, they played well, they didn't play well, right? Or maybe you can just count your wins and be like, man, I'm surprised that guy did that good that early, right? Like it, it immediately translated from what I've seen on the film. So coming up next, man, just kind of a couple surprises um, from this 2022 NFL draft class. To kick it off with the surprises, Keith, you know, when, when you look at the 2022 NFL draft class, for me, man, I, I would say I, I'm going to go to, to, to Seattle, and that was Charles Cross. And, 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 and I'm going to say I was surprised at how well, not just him, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do a, a two for, two for one special. His teammate on the right side, Abraham Lucas. I, I want to shout out both of those guys as pleasant surprises because those are air raid tackles, Keith, which means they're really good in pass pro. Because they're they're used to setting in pass pro all the time. Because those offenses don't particularly run the ball at a at a high clip, right? But even though you know, especially for Cross, he played in the SEC. Abraham Lucas played at was it Washington State, I think, over at uh, Washington, one of the two, Washington and the Pac-12. But handling the physicality of the NFC West, the the the, the Niners, right? The 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 Rams defensive line. J.J. Watt and Zach Allen, those boys for the Cardinals. These two young, like, rookie tackles, Keith, in the same draft class. One was a ninth overall pick in the first round. The other was in the second round, if I'm not mistaken. And these boys started the entire season, and they were good, Keith, really good. You know what I mean? Part of, you know, we, we, we credit, you know, Pete Carroll and Geno Smith for what that offense looked like. But I got to give love to those two tackles, bro, because those young men came in, and they balled. You know what I mean? And not only that. But what I love is that they brought some some attitude and physicality to that run game. Kenneth Walker the third was a beast. But you, as a as a former running back, I can tell you, you need the offensive line to do their job for you to do yours. And those two boys being like linchpins of their offensive line, man, I I, I was pleasantly pleasantly surprised. I was high on Charles Cross, but I did have some concerns about his run blocking and, and overall like power, functional power, and, and play strength. He did a great job. Abraham Lucas, to me, did a great job, you know, in terms of, you know, just what I expected of them as rookies. And, and, and these are two young men that, that they're, they're booking tackles for the Seattle Seahawks for some time uh, to come in the foreseeable future. Yeah, no, I listen, that, that's that's good name pools, right? And it's, it's not necessarily the sexy positions, right? We're talking about offensive tackles, but yeah, we're talking about two bookend tackles that, you know, the quarterback doesn't have to worry, right? Then you address the interior offensive line position like they did, and, and, and the Seattle Seahawks are set up for success along the offensive line for the next, you know, five to ten years, right? So, DP, man, I, like I said, you you went with the big boys, right? I'm, I'm, I'm going to go with the sexy position. And I'm going to go some back-to-back picks, right? I'm going to go pick 10, pick 11. That's the New York Jets drafting Garrett Wilson and then the New Orleans Saints going Chris Olave right mm-hmm. after that, man. Both guys stepped right in. You're talking about an offensive rookie of the year and a guy, in my opinion, could have been offensive rookie of the year, man. They both broke the 1,000-yard 
um, you know, threshold for the season, right, as rookies with unstable quarterback situations, right? The New Orleans Saints is Andy Dalton, is Jameis Winston, is Taysom Hill, right? Then you go to the New York Jets, right? It's it's, um, it's Zach Wilson, it's Mike White, it's Joe Flacco. Both of them boys ate and they ate early, man. Like, so I, I, I wanted to, like, you're talking about surprises because we always talk about how wide receivers are dependent on quarterbacks, right? And those guys were also rookies. And they were number one wide receivers also. Like, like let's give them credit for that, too. And we talked about how difficult that is for rookie wide receivers. So I, I have to give credit to Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson stepping right in, pick 10, pick 11, and, you know, just picking up where they left off in college. They looked like they was at Ohio State again. No, 100%, Keith. I, I, you know, it was crazy just how productive both of those guys were. Um, and, and, you know, shout out to them. I'll even bring up, you know, um, in terms of surprise, I don't even call him. Yeah, I, I'll call him a surprise, especially for the situation. Drake London. You know what I mean? Drake London having, you know, almost 900 yards and, and Marcus Mariota, like, truthfully, and I tweeted it out. In that last last offseason, I was like, man, I would love to see Marcus Mariota get another shot in the NFL, right? Like, is he still mobile? Arm talent still there. I was like, man, I'd just love to see him get another shot in, in a better situation that wasn't Tennessee. Well, he got that shot in Atlanta. And by week four, I was calling for him to, his shot to be over. Um, you know what I mean? I'm going to be completely honest. I was calling for Desmond Ritter to start because I watched a team, Keith, that was being held back offensively by the quarterback. When you got a Drake London and a Kyle Pitts, your run game is phenomenal with Arthur Smith calling the run game. And you're not hitting these big explosive plays down the field. And you're hurting your team. You're throwing interceptions that you absolutely shouldn't. You're making rookie mistakes with the football in, in, as, as a passer. I, I, can't, I can't back that anymore. You know what I mean? So it's like to watch Drake London deal with – and there were times where he, he was – he went ghost not because of his own right, not because of his issues – Right. But because the quarterback couldn't get him the football. And it's like then, you know, you got Arthur Smith saying, well, we're going to stick with the same quarterback that's holding our offense back. And that doesn't help the the receivers at all, man. So it's like, all right. Then when Desmond really came back, came into the lineup, I saw Drake London. He he rose back like last week from the day. He rose back up. You know what I mean? He pulled the WWF Undertaker just sitting back up out the grave like, yeah, I'm here, man. I'm still here. And it was just like, bro, like. So for him, to, like I said, 866 yards uh, receiving. He was targeted over 100 times, 117 targets, only four touchdowns on the season. A lot of that, man, like, yeah, I, I was out of the highest on Drake London. No, like I, he wasn't my wide receiver one or anything. But I, I still liked his game, and I feel like he could be better. If you want him to be your wide receiver one, you got to feature him. You got to do a better job than what they did in Atlanta this past season. Yeah, no, I agree, man. Drake London was definitely a surprise because he started off hot, right? Like, he started off really hot, then cooled off. Man, but DP, one last name I'm going to just throw out there real quick and no synopsis. But, man, Kenny Pickett with the Pittsburgh Steelers, baby. That's my hopeful pick because I gave him a first-round grade. He showed a couple of little signs. We're going to see if Pittsburgh could be a football. Yeah, some flashes. So I got to throw out Kenny Pickett's name as my, you know, kind of my little hope pick for, for next year to hope he, you know, turn the corner. Nah, for sure, man. Guys, we, that's our episode. We appreciate y'all as always. Go subscribe and follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts to get the latest episode as soon as it is available. Thank y'all for making Locked On NFL Draft your first listen today and every day, Monday through Friday. You guys are our family, but you're also the everydayers. Listen, that is the tag. That's who you are. Accept that and love it, all right? So tap in with us again tomorrow on Friday. We're going to have another great conversation. For uh, Twitter, you can find Keith at the Talent Code. 
I'm Damian Parson, DP underscore NFL. Come and join the conversation again tomorrow on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team 